Welcome to Face Your Faith with West Kenyon. It is our hope that today's study will encourage you to grow deeply in your relationship with God as we study the Word together. Now let's join West for today's study. Have you ever talked with someone else about God? Have you ever evangelized to friends, family, or co-workers, or perhaps even someone in your own church? If you have, I certainly hope our topic this week on telling others about God and life in Christ will be a great encouragement on how to tell others about God in a mature, non-threatening, loving, honoring way. If you have not or do not tell others about God because you are afraid or feel unworthy, this too is a great place to start as we will also cover how to boldly go in confidence and humility and do what God has asked us to do. As always, don't take my word for any of this. Take everything back to God's word and to God that I teach and know for yourself it is God-honoring truth. I think next to or in line with public speaking, telling others about God is quite frightening to engage in for most people. You know, many want to talk big about how they tell everyone they meet about God and they read their Bible in public as often as they can and pray in every restaurant they can, etc as a testimony of their relationship with Christ, but those types of engagements are rarely effective and potentially leave more questions for the recipients and bystanders of those displays than they do provide answers and interest. Think of it this way. If you see someone else practicing their religion, a religion you believe to be not God-honoring, you at the very least will dismiss that display from them and move on, or on the other end, ridicule them because they don't believe the right thing. But far too many Christians seem to think that no one else has the right to feel that way about authentic Christianity. And far too many Christians get pouty and rotten and bitter and nasty and pushy when others don't see God, quote, our way and what we believe to be the truth. And I believe this is a major reason far too many Christians are hated. And that's for the wrong reasons and not those God says we will be hated for. Yes, we are indeed hated because God says in Matthew 10, 22, quote, you will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Looking at Matthew 5:11, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. But the great thing is in this last passage comes with an amazing promise, a blessing in fact. Now, might we assume we can just be arrogant Christians or poor and lowly Christians when and if we tell others about God? On the first hand, the arrogant Christian is almost immediately sniffed out as being a complete hypocrite and not trustworthy. They are the sort of Christian who more or less says, quote, I'm right, you're wrong, and I'm going to shove it down your throat, like it or not. In contrast, the, quote, poor and lowly acting Christian is also most immediately sniffed out as being a complete hypocrite as well and not trustworthy. They are the sort of Christian who more or less says, quote, just love Jesus, read scripture and pray and all will be well with you. And those are the two mainstream ways of evangelizing, unfortunately. And could it be that is why many Christians keep praying for, quote, revival and are not having that prayer answered? Could it be we are not letting God do his work through us? Rather, we are doing our own work, expecting that it will be pleasing to him. And why do we get so hurt and wring our hands about being persecuted and being hated, saying, I just don't understand how people can be like this. Isn't it terrible? I can't believe someone would treat those who love God like this. 
And all this is usually followed up by, we are definitely in the end times with the way people are acting these days. Yes, I'm going to be very bold here and say that this is a pathetic attitude. That attitude is so dishonoring and disrespectful to God. And that attitude is bringing no one closer to God in any way, shape, or form. God did not ask us to decide and ponder when he is or isn't coming, but did clearly tell us to stop wasting time and wringing our hands because our agenda for him is not succeeding as we planned it. How do we know this? Because God told us. Back to the Bible, Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Continuing in Matthew 24, 36. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So let's stop talking about when he's coming back and wringing our hands, and let's stop pouting when we are ripped apart for being humbly bold with our faith in God through Jesus. And let's start being known by our God-honoring fruit and simply live out the gospel for others to see in peace and confidence. Let's become true servant leaders for the Lord. How then are we supposed to go and tell the world about God? Well, we need to grow up, mature, and get off our milk bottle. And if you have not listened to last week's topic on the baby Christian, I highly recommend you do, as our topic today will have significantly more impact for you. That said, let's dive right in and find out how we can be God-honoring and effective in each and every encounter we have with others. And today we are going to focus on the basics of proclaiming the Word of God to the world. So on to the first step. Know the Word of God. No, don't know Scripture because you have read it or read it all the time. God never asked us to, quote, read His Word. He asked us to know His Word, to hide His Word in our heart, to plaster it, embed it, seal it, tattoo it on our heart, mind, and soul. Again, how do we know this? Proverbs 7, 1 through 3. My son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live, and my law as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers, write them on the tablet of your heart. And sadly, too many Christians, and quote, diehard Christians at that, have read and read the Bible, and potentially many times over again, but are tragically incapable of communicating it effectively to others. Again, all because, as we see in our passage from Proverbs, it is not about seeing recognizable letters in a recognizable format that create recognizable words with recognizable meanings that we are to communicate. God did not ask us to give an English lesson or any other language lesson about the Bible on behalf of God and carry our Bible around with us. God did request, however, that we are to feel, to know, and to have a relationship with every word in the Bible. And this is no different than any other relationship we have with other people in our lives today. How about this as an example? If someone asks you about your family, spouse, friend, and you have to pull out your journal or notebook in order to answer questions about those you claim to know and love and those who are supposedly close to you in life, that would be the most bizarre thing to witness. And one would have all right to question that person's relationship and the same goes for your relationship with God. Why? Because if you can't simply, and with passion and immediacy, tell someone about a relationship you have, and for that matter, good or bad, 
you cannot be believed and trusted about anything you say because it did not come from your heart, your knowledge, your experience, your trust in that relationship. And this is how and who we must be to effectively evangelize if we are going to do it for God. Remember the Word of God became flesh, real, living, human, relatable, visible, touchable, sincere, and humble. Jesus never just spouted out words he understood. Rather, he lived out every word he spoke from his Father and was always ready to give an answer about his Father. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Doesn't this passage address once again everything we have already discussed in how we are to own and live out and tell others of our relationship with Jesus? At least in my opinion, when I engage with God through his word, I can't help but see and feel exactly who he is and what he is attempting and hoping to get into my head and into my life to grow me for others. Yes, I am becoming more convinced that God challenging me and growing me is more for the benefit of others than it is for my own benefit. So consider, are you reading the Bible in an attempt to know the Bible better? Or are you going to God with the Bible in an attempt to know God better through his word? And if you are doing the first of these examples, we will have nothing more to tell others than the mechanical and grammatical aspects of God's word. However, if we are living the second approach, we will not only be filled up by God to proclaim his word, but we will also be able to show our relationship with him and his word to the world. Now let's look at how to properly use God's word to benefit others. Having had the amazing opportunity of telling over 10,000 plus people about God, I have learned a great deal on how to and how not to engage with others. And what I have learned that has the most impact is the fact that I don't need to come up with how to tell the world about him. It's already been done, mapped out for me in God's word, by God himself and from the experiences of others who God used long before me. Notice Paul left us with so many personal examples and experiences. He didn't just quote scripture. I have directly asked several hundred people what they find offensive about people who proselytize and how could it be done with more tact and would potentially get them to listen better. And the takeaway from that, don't come and tell me what I need. Ask me first what I know or don't know and get to know me before you put your face in mine. Yet so many religions and churches develop evangelistic tactics and strategies on how to smack everyone they meet or perhaps more appropriately hunt down with what they think is best in telling others about God. But for those who do not believe, rarely have any foundation or interest to comprehend Bible talk that is casually thrown at them, and worse still, to be told they just need to pray and accept Jesus as a Savior. Really? How is that God-honoring? And where in the Bible did God ever take this approach with any single person? He didn't, and he did not take this approach with you either. So what did he do and how did he do it and why did he do what he did in your life? 
For starters, God drew, not dragged you to himself through the desire of having a relationship with you. He wanted you and he to be friends, deep friends, eternal friends, and he wanted to adopt you into his family because he desired you so much. John 6, says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And John 6, says, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. And notice he didn't read the Bible to you and tell you to pray and just accept him. He came to you and took every possible opportunity for you to get to know him. And with many of us, he spent years allowing us to get to know him. Not until we got to know him better did things such as his word become clear, understandable and relatable and desirable to us. Not until then were we comfortable and desired and craved to get to know him personally and through that accepting salvation through Jesus, his son. So what do we see from all this? And this takes us to our third step. Remember, the Bible doesn't make sense to those who do not have at least an interest in wanting to know God, his word. In the same way, our relationship with God is irrelevant and doesn't make sense to those who do not have an interest in wanting to know God either. Don't find some unsuspecting person in the produce aisle of the grocery store and start a random conversation about God or knock on someone's door at dinner time. That's just rude and not effective. Don't do that to someone. And while some of you may have a smirk on your face from my analogy of proselytizing, it's only slightly amusing because this is how too many Christians approach sharing God. Sharing God's word is not about finding victims. Again, recall our passage from John 6:44. It's not us who does the drawing or creates the interest. That is God's job and is already done or not done according to God's will. We are simply and only called to provide honest truth on behalf of God that is relatable and honest and real. And the fourth step is get to know someone before you dump on them. I don't know about you, but I typically only take people at face value, especially when it comes to a very personal thing in my life and with those who I know and can somewhat trust. And I'm quite certain that you are the same way. But you say, what if this person is hit by a bus on their way home today and they go to hell? We have to tell everyone right now, no time to waste, and they have to understand it. Again, this is not how God told us to spread his word. Is this your agenda or God's agenda? And perhaps all you have ultimately done in the end is to deeply offend the person you are attempting to, quote, save. Yes, you heard me correctly. You want to save rather than letting God do his work through you and them in his time. So how do we know if we are proselytizing on behalf of ourselves or God? Let's look at John 7:17. 7, if anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. Make sure you know and get to know who you are talking with on a personal level. Yes, on a worldly level. But the good news is getting to know someone does not need to take years or even days. Getting to know a complete stranger can take seconds or just a few minutes. How? Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 helps us with this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. When we rely on God during conversation, he will guide our paths in exactly what to do and exactly what to say. 
A personal example, having had brain surgery and God using that to truly draw me to himself and for me to get to know him has given me dozens of opportunities to speak with others easily about God. And that is because I now have a true testimony of how God worked in my life. I now have something to tell others about the awesomeness of God and the work I finally am allowing him to do with me for others. And it is truly miraculous. So how did brain surgery open this door, and how are the many things in your life that God has allowed that can open the same doors for you? Very simple, and the analogy goes like this. I was in my driveway washing my car, and a lady was walking by with her dog. Living up to my type A extrovert personality, I looked up from washing and delivered an unapologetic good morning and went back to washing. A moment later, I noticed the lady still standing at the end of the driveway. When we made eye contact, she said, you were in a good mood for so early in the morning. Certainly, I'm not always in a good mood, but I usually do my best to not let my misery out on others, as I don't believe they deserve it. And more importantly, as I grow, I know God never gives me attitude, but is always ready with a big smile and lots of love all day long. And so we made small talk for a few minutes about the neighborhood and where she lived, etc. And she then said, thanks for talking with me. You've cheered me up this morning. To which I replied, I'm so sorry that you were having a rough morning. I know I've had plenty of them along the days and years of rough mornings, but as I grow up, or attempt to anyway, and I don't know where you stand on this, but I'm finally realizing that God has allowed everything in my life for really good reason, and I am finally seeing real joy in my life from the hard times. And it's been a journey for me like none other. I noticed as I was speaking to her, she never took her eyes off me. Now that could either mean she was staring me down to rip me apart for slipping religion into a seemingly benign conversation, or she was truly interested and was taking it to heart, and her response confirmed it. Her reply, well, I'm glad it works for you, and it's certainly good to have a higher power we can call on, whoever that is in our lives, but at least you have one. To which I responded, yep, I can't imagine at this point in my life not having God guiding my pathetic self-centered life, and can't imagine going through life without him. Her follow-up was abrupt. Well, have a good time washing your car. We need to go. And to that I said, thanks for stopping and great talking with you. The following Saturday, same time, same place, she came by again and I said, I hope you're doing better than last week. I truly enjoyed talking with you. To which she replied, I thought about what you said and it got me thinking about my life and what I am doing and how I'm handling things. May I ask you what it is in your life that God did that got you so happy and confident in what you believe? And for the purpose of this topic, my reply in brief was sharing with her the many crazy things that God allowed in my life, that I was truly angry with at the time, and for the chunk of my life and my rebelliousness toward God and others. But he finally got hold of me through brain surgery and opened my eyes to who he really is and who he desired to be in my life. And after that encounter, I now truly know all the other crazy things that happened had real purpose. I concluded by telling her, and without all that I was privileged to experience, Everything God allowed is the only reason I am able to stand here today in confidence and have this conversation with you. And I know outside of God, none of this would be possible. The conversation lasted about 30 minutes and concluded with her telling me she was really hurting and needed something different in her life and that I gave her more to consider. That day was the last time I saw her. But I know I had honestly and humbly shared a reason to seek God, and I didn't need my Bible to tell her what to do and quote scripture. Was she convicted? Yes. And we know that by her responses and returning. And why not bombard her with chapter and verse from the Bible? 
Because at this point, and for most, the Bible is not relatable in the least. But our testimony can be very relatable and very powerful. Do you have one? Do you use it? Has this woman accepted Christ? Who knows? Because that is not my concern. Because all of this from the start is God's work. That's His job. Do I hope she saw the truth and accepted Christ as a Savior? Absolutely. But in the end, I am nothing more than a satellite for God transmitting His Word through experience and understanding of my relationship with Him in Christ to tell and to move on to do it again with someone else somewhere else. So what do we need when we are approached with an opportunity? A Bible? No. A doctorate in theology? No. To be an ordained minister? No. To have read the Bible millions of times over? No. To use every last detail of our lives, our past, present, our growth, our failures, our successes, and our hunger for God, and always prepared to give an answer for the hope that lies within us? Yes, yes, yes. In conclusion, are we to go and tell the world about God? Yes. Are we to be humbly honest and bold? Yes. Are we to hunt people down? No. Are we to keep beating people over the head with God's word if they don't want to hear it? No. Remember Romans 10:13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It does not say, however, everyone we talk to, we need to make sure gets saved. That is God's job with each one of us. All we are told to do is broadcast the word to the world. No more, no less. Don't forget this. Just because people don't know Christ doesn't mean they are stupid and have no clue what to do or how to make decisions on their own, especially if God is the one who is doing the work behind the scenes. And finally, keep this passage in mind. Matthew 10, 14. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. There it is. It's not your job to save, convert, whatever you want to call it. Just go be a light in a dark world and tell through faith, in experience, who our great and awesome God is. The takeaway, don't hunt people down. Get to know them. Start with your testimony, not the Bible. And don't frighten people by shoving it down their throat with threats or rubbing their back in prayer. Let's pray. Gracious Lord and Father, thank you for using and trusting us as tools for you to spread your word. Keep us from being arrogant and not trustworthy and getting in your lane of what you are only capable of doing. Keep us in our lane of telling and living out who you are in our lives and keep us far from hypocrisy that we would not be a hindrance to those who do not know you. Guide us in the paths of righteousness for your namesake, even when times of persecution and hatred are thrust into our lives. Keep us humble, yet bold in your truth, that we may always be good examples and help us to know when to walk away and trust fully that you are in control, not us. In all of this, we ask that you would continue to send people to us to love and to get to know in order that we may have the opportunity to tell them about your amazing love for them. And we ask all this in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. If you are joining us by podcast, please visit our website at faceyourfaith.com for more information and resources.